Well, good morning, Resonate Church family. It is so good to see you. Give yourselves a round of applause for being here, for making it. I want to welcome our Hayward campus and online campus as well that's joining us this morning. I don't know if you know this, but it is a historic weekend here at Resonate Church, not because we're only starting this Explore God series, but we are also partnering with over 100 churches in the Bay Area. We are unifying with over 100 churches in the Bay Area to go through a teaching series over the next seven weeks where we will explore seven different questions that people who are skeptical about faith, who have questions about who God is, questions about Christianity, uh, we're gonna explore those questions over the next seven weeks, and so we are so excited not to just do this, but to unify with other churches as well, and so we want to welcome you. If you are a first-time guest in particular, someone invited you to come to the service to take part in this series, welcome. We know it could be intimidating to come to a church, a new place, not to know anyone. And so we hope this is a safe place for you, a comfortable place where you can ask your questions about God. Resonate Church family, can we give our guests who are here just a round of applause for joining us here this weekend. Thank you for being here. I wanna start off by just letting you know some of the purposes that we have for this series. And the first one, it's pretty obvious. It's to answer questions that you have about God. We want to answer your questions. And this series isn't only for people who are exploring God. It's also for those of us who would call ourselves Christians. For those of us who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe that your heavenly father, he wants to speak to you and answer your questions as well. But the second purpose is to equip the church to answer others' questions about God. How many of you have ever been put in a situation where someone asked you a question about God, about faith, about Jesus, about the Bible, and you didn't quite know how to answer? By show of hands, any of you have ever felt uncomfortable with answering questions? Well, hopefully, uh, this series can be an opportunity where you are equipped to answer others' questions about God. And... Questions about God aside, our primary hope, not only over the course of these next seven weeks, but today in particular, in Hayward and, and online, our primary purpose is that you would experience God, that you would have an encounter with the God of all creation in these moments that we spend together. And so with that in mind, let's jump into this question as we kick off our series, what is the purpose of life? Just a simple question as we get started today. I uh, hope you guys are going to buckle in. I've just got two and a half hours. Two and a, I don't know why I did that. I don't have a watch. There's no watch there. Uh, two and a half hours, just kidding. We're going to get you out of here in time for lunch. What is the purpose of life? What is life's meaning why did God create you? Why did God create me? And in case this isn't a question that you're interested in, in case you're not leaning in and wanting to take notes, I want to give you two reasons why I hope you lean in. The first one is simply this. The masses are searching for meaning. The masses are searching for meaning. 
You are surrounded by people every single day who are looking for why they were created, who are wondering why on earth am I here? But people aren't just figuratively searching for meaning, they're literally searching for meaning. Uh, There's a study that was done just this year, 2023, the top 10 most existential questions people are Googling. Across the United States, you know, the top question that people are Googling, existential question, is this. Why is the sky blue? Can you believe that out of all the things? Why is the sky blue? Second most existential question that's Googled is what do dreams mean? What do dreams mean? Third most existential question Googled is what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Number four, I'll give it to you for free. Why am I so tired? Why am I so tired? Maybe some of you are wondering that today. Here in California, here in California, the number one most Googled existential question is what is the meaning of life? Specifically for us here, the masses are searching for meaning. But I think even more poignant than that, why I hope you pay attention to this question, why I hope you lean in, is because a purposeless life is a painful life. Maybe some of you, by experience, you could attest to if you don't have purpose, a lot of times a purposeless life is accompanied by pain. Today we're going to look at King Solomon, someone who is famous in the scriptures, he was A king of the nation of Israel, he was rich, he was wealthy, he was wise. And in the book of Proverbs, he writes these famous words, without vision, the people perish. Without vision, the people cast off restraint. They have no self-control. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of that passage, he says it this way, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Maybe some of you can attest to stumbling all over yourself when you have not known what your purpose is. The late Bahamian pastor Miles Monroe, he says it this way, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And I actually experienced this as just a young kid, five, seven years old. Uh, I'm, I'm a Filipino kid, and so, you know, Filipino families, for whatever reason, they like to make much of the kids in a Filipino party. Like, they like to put them on display. If they could play instruments, if they could sing, it's like, sing, play instruments, do that, entertain us. Well, I can't do either of those things, and so my dad said, hey, here's, here's this little green tube. And I thought it was a green tube filled with green cake frosting. And I was so excited, so I proceeded to squeeze half of this green tube in my mouth, only to find out very quickly it wasn't cake frosting at all. Instead, it's that green stuff that you have as a condiment right alongside sushi. Come on, somebody. It was wasabi. My mouth was on fire. Maybe it should be said when the purpose of a thing is unknown, your dad will abuse you. I don't know, but I'm still like working it out in my life today, venting. 
But more seriously, because at times in my life I have not known my purpose, I have abused or misused money. Because I have not known the purpose of my life, I have misused and abused relationships, taking advantage of people for selfish gain. The stakes are high, friends. Maybe some of you can relate. You know, you, you have experienced purposelessness in your life. And as a result, you've hurt yourself. You've hurt others. Or maybe you know someone who is purposeless in their life. And you know, man, it's brought them great pain. And I'm so thankful that this question of the purpose of life, we're not left alone to figure out these answers. God, in his word, speaks directly in to this tension. So at this time, I want to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. And if you're brand new and you're a guest with us, we stand for the reading of God's word because we honor God's word. We have reverence for God's word. The words that I'm gonna say are, are man's words. They're, they're my own words. They're not perfect. They're not holy, but God's words are. And this is what Paul writes to the early church at Rome. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For for him or from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for this great Sunday morning. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. To make our way through this question of what is the purpose of life, I've prepared an outline for us to follow along. Today we're going to talk about the hollowness of getting. We're going to talk about the shallowness of giving. And then we're going to end talking about the fullness of glorifying. The hollowness of getting, the shallowness of giving, and the fullness of glorifying. And you just got to know, I'm going to work through this outline and preach through the Bible today, not as some theologian who has multiple degrees, multiple degrees, I don't even have one degree, come on somebody, I am not someone who travels the country talking about the purposes of life, no, I am an ordinary, unschooled man that for over 40 years I've been looking for my purpose, and by the grace of God through these different means and experiences, I'm so thankful that today I stand here as someone who is living in the fullness of God's purpose for my life. And so, as we talk about first, the hollowness, I'm sorry, the shallow, no, what, it's hollowness, the hollowness, see, when you use these words, you just get all mixed up, the hollowness of getting and how hollow it could be. There's three things that Solomon talks about. King Solomon, rich, wise, had it all. He talks about a hollowness as it relates to getting wisdom. He talks about a hollowness as it relates to experiencing the pleasures of the world. And he talks about a hollowness as it relates to hard work and getting your dream job. And so I wanna share his words with you because I think they are words that 
the human experience, even if you don't believe in the scriptures as being God's word, I think we can relate to the human experience. And so look at what he has to say about getting knowledge. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. Pursuing wisdom, pursuing knowledge, multiple degrees, documentaries, YouTube, books aplenty. Come on, have you ever been there reading, understanding, students, you're going after knowledge and there's always more to gain. I love my library, I love my books, I love my Kindle library, but I just gotta tell you, with everything that I know and I've read, I came here to Resonate Church and these pastors have degrees and they have bigger libraries and they read more widely than I do and I just feel so insecure in getting knowledge because I don't have enough time to get it all. It's just not enough time and so here's the point I wanna make here. Obtaining vast wisdom Leaves you unfulfilled. Leaves you unfulfilled. All right, let's put wisdom aside. Come on, it has to be about experiences, getting experiences and pleasures. Look what Solomon had to say about this. He says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure then. If wisdom and knowledge isn't gonna do it, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life, but I found that this too was meaningless. Solomon goes on to write, I had gardens and properties and relationships and concubines. I mean, this dude was wilding out. He had it all. He had it all. And what does he say at the end? It was meaningless. Here's the quick point I want to make here. Pursuing earthly pleasures leaves you unsatisfied. Any foodies in the room? Any foodies in Hayward? Like you love a good meal. Come on, somebody. Anybody? 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 Oh, yeah. I love a good meal. And we look forward to these experiences and we yelp them and we get all set and then we get that food and we order it and we eat it and then we're full and then what? A couple hours later, we want more. Where's the next restaurant? Where's the next food experience? Anybody like to vacation in here? You like to travel? Oh, but don't you just hate when you get back home? Vacation's over. And all that time you were thinking, surely, 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 if I could just get to Paris. Surely, 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 if I could just get to Marin. Come on, somebody. Surely, surely, surely. Some of us are a little low budget, right? Can't get to Paris. Just get me to Marin. Come on. That's going to fulfill the void in my heart. Then you get home and you unpack your bags and you're like, ah, there has to be more to life than this. Come on, I love a nice pair of Air Jordan sneakers. Come on, somebody. But surely, 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 there has to be more to life than obtaining and getting and gaining the pleasures of this world. So maybe, maybe, okay, if you just find your dream job, if I just get my dream job, well, look at what Solomon has to say about this. These are very disturbing words. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. That's depressing. He goes on to say, I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must Leave it to others, everything I've earned. So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some of you are thinking, if I could just get the job, surely, surely. Look, look I gotta tell you, 
It's my dream job, Resonate Church, are you kidding me? But if I left it up to Resonate Church in this job to fulfill the deepest purposes of my life, Resonate Church could not hold up that burden. And some of you by experience, you know it. Work will not do it. I sum it up this way. Experiencing meaningful work leaves you unhappy. Wisdom unfulfilled, pleasures unsatisfied, work unhappy, jeez. But I want you to ask yourself, I don't just want to make points this morning. I want you to ask yourself, how have you personally experienced the letdown and the hollowness and insufficiency of getting Has this been your experience? There has to be more to life than this. And no one here would say, this is a bright audience. No one would say, the purpose of my life is getting. No, we'd never say that, but I think more often than we'd like to admit, we live like that. We live like that. All right, so I thought it was getting, especially during my younger years, and then grew a little bit older and like, it's like, no, it's not about getting, it's about giving. It's about giving, surely, surely, surely. Life is about giving, it's about finding the gifts that God has deposited within you and giving and loving and serving the world. And you guys are like, yeah, that's what it is, right? Well, yeah and no. I found that there was a certain shallowness to giving at least the way I started giving. There was a certain shallowness to it all and I know this is an issue not only for me but for our culture today because Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, he spoke in to this shallowness. He had words to say. On three different occasions, Jesus identified motives of the heart that are oftentimes behind our giving. The first one, in in speaking specifically about giving to the needy, look at what Jesus has to say. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Doing good deeds to be seen. The religious leaders in that day, they were known as Pharisees. Teachers of the law. And Jesus called them out for the motive behind why they were doing what they're doing. Look at what their motive is. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Why don't follow their example? For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burdens. Catch this, everything they do is for show. Can you see the shallowness of that type of giving? Giving to be seen, giving for show? Finally, Jesus was before some of his followers and some folks who were looking on to his teaching and They weren't believing what he was saying. They weren't believing what he was saying. And so what does Jesus do? He hearkens back to the way a prophet from old talked about the nation of Israel. And the prophet from the nation, about over the nation of Israel, he was like, 
getting down on them for their unbelief. And Jesus uses the same words of the prophet to describe the people who weren't believing, who were listening to him. He says it this way, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Can you see the shallowness in this type of giving, in this type of living, living more for your glory, living more for your admiration? Let me sum up this shallowness this way. Giving primarily for the strengthening of your reputation, for the strengthening of who you are in the minds of others is an immature, temporary purpose not worth living for. And, and some of you are like, who does this? <laughs> I do. You do more than you'd like. And so let's think about it. Once again, question to consider. You need to consider this for yourself. Where have you personally experienced the hypocrisy and the insufficiency and the shallowness of this type of giving. Where has this been your experience? Come on, parents, when you've given to your kids and they don't appreciate it for you, you don't get any acknowledgement for it, doesn't it just have you rise up in your heart and your soul and there's some anger there? Come on, husbands, 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 where are the husbands at? Let me hear you, where are the husbands? Woo! Oh, man, husbands are like, nah, man, don't call me out. <laughs> Husband, remember that one time you did the dishes? Come on, somebody. Remember that one time you picked up your clothes and put them away after she washed them? Come on. That one time, and then she didn't say thank you, and she didn't say, oh, you're awesome, and so you're like, see, that's why I'm not going to do this again. Some of you wives, come on, wives there in Hayward, come on. You've served, you've loved, you've sacrificed, and your husband and your kids, they don't acknowledge you. No affirmation. Your reputation isn't stronger because of it. Your boss, come on, somebody. Oh, man, why doesn't my boss see? I'm serving, I'm working hard. So why were we giving in the first place then? Serving around here at church, come on. Oh, no one sees all the hard work I do. No one sees me staying late. No one sees me doing the little things. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So why, why are we doing it then? Is it because we love God or we want something for ourselves? And this is my story. I, I transitioned from a life of getting to a life of giving, helping people find their gifts this is before I got into vocational ministry, before I got into, was a pastor. Okay, I'm gonna motivate people to live a life where they could find their passion and their gift and use it to serve in the world. But I experienced the shallowness of that type of life because I was doing it not because I loved people, but because I loved myself. Because I wanted to be known as the guy who could help you find your life's purpose so ugly to reflect upon my motivations in those seasons of my life. How can you connect with this shallowness of giving? How could you see that, and once again, I don't want to make points. I don't want to make points. You guys are going to forget points. How have you personally experienced there has to be more to life than this? So what is it? 
If it's not getting, and if it's not giving, let's talk about now the fullness of glorifying. And I love this because there's nothing wrong with getting God gives good gifts to his children. It's not bad to eat good food. It's not bad to go on vacations. It's not bad to have experiences and all these types of things. That's not bad. It's just, what are you doing it to the glory of? It's not bad to give. It's not bad to serve. It's not bad to identify your gifts and use them to serve others. But who are you doing it for the glory of? Now, this word glory, we don't use it really so much in our modern vernacular, so let's go to Merriam-Webster to help us out with the definition of glorify. What does it mean to glorify as we talk about the fullness of glorifying? To glorify is to make glorious by bestowing honor, praise, or admiration. We all glorify things. Someone say amen. We all glorify things. The question is, what do you glorify? So I want to ask it, plain and simple. What is or who is the primary person, place, or thing you invest your energy and affections into glorifying? We give glory to a bunch of different things. Some of you, you give glory to your kids. You give glory to your spouse. You give glory to your job. You give glory to your ethnicity. You give glory to your political party. Come on, come on. What is it for you that you just can't stop talking about it? I give glory to my sexuality, my body, my choice. I give glory, my body. You give glory to your skills. Maybe you're like me. You give glory to yourself. Transitioned out of that life of motivating people to live and find their purpose and discover their dreams and all this and then went into pastoral ministry and found that even in pastoral ministry, okay, I'm not, I'm not, getting anymore, I'm, I'm giving, now I'm more, okay, I'm doing this for Jesus, but I found myself doing the work of Jesus unto my own glory. Oh, and it sounds so embarrassing to let these words come out of my mouth. And boy, that left me unfulfilled. But Solomon, he knew otherwise. He knew about the fullness of glorifying. When all was said and done with his life, he had it all, said it was all meaningless, it was all meaningless, and look what he says is not meaningless. When all has been heard, the end of the matter is, here's the big idea, fear God. Worship him with awe-filled reverence, knowing that he is almighty God, and keep his commandments, for this applies to every person. When all was said and done, Solomon, what does he say? What's the purpose of your life? Fear God, worship God, glorify God. For those of you who missed it, you're falling asleep, this is taking way too long, let me make it really clear. What is the purpose of your life? Hayward, online, what is the purpose of your life? The purpose of your life is to glorify God. It's to make much of who God is. 
It's to use your energy and your affections and your words and your time to make much of who God is. How are we doing with that purpose for our lives, friends? How are you doing with the purpose of glorifying God? And you might say at this point, why Why do I gotta glorify God? What's wrong with glorifying myself? What's wrong with glorifying uh, my friends and my family members and my ethnicity and, and my football team? What's wrong with glorifying the things of this world? Let me tell you what's wrong with glorifying those things. They don't last. They're temporary. The same writer Solomon, he said it this way, God has put eternity in the hearts of man. You are hardwired for eternal things, friends. You are hardwired to worship an eternal God. And any time you invest your life doing anything other than what you were hardwired to do, you malfunction. You experience a gap in between how you were created and what you were created to do and what you're actually doing. And oh, this was the story of my life. Why isn't this feeling right? Not only we hardwired for it, Let's go back to the text we read together, to the church at Rome. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. Why do we glorify God? Because he's the one who has all the wisdom and knowledge in the world. Instead of making the purpose of your life getting wisdom, we should spend the purpose of our life to glorify the one who created wisdom. We actually have the opportunity to create the one who created knowledge. Whoa. And instead, we're worshiping the knowledge instead of the creator of knowledge. Wow. Help us, Lord. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. What does that mean? That means that God's ways can't ever be questioned. Why? Because he's perfect in all of his ways. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. See, he just doesn't know it all, but he knows how to apply wisdom perfectly into every situation. Oh, man, I want to praise and serve and lift up my voice to a God who not only has all wisdom, but applies that wisdom perfectly in all of our lives at every time. How many of you would agree that's a God worth praising? Amen, amen. He goes on to say, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Just so you know, that's a rhetorical question. Who counsels God? Some will say, nobody Nobody gives advice to God. Who can repay him? Who can give him a gift to repay him? Someone say nobody. No, because he gave you the gift that you would give back to repay him. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Why do we glorify God? Because he's the one who created it all. He's the one, let there be light. He's the one who hung the stars and the moon and the galaxies in place. 
He's the one who's worthy of the words and the affirmation, not only because he created it all, but because he sustains it all. He not only knits you in your mother's womb, but he's the one who's sustaining the breath that you're taking right here, right now. Everyone breathe in. Breathe out. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, that's God. That's God. That ain't you. That's not your strength. That's not your swag. That's God. That's God saying, I am okaying another breath of life. This is why we glorify God. We don't, we don't glorify people who take breaths in and out. We glorify the one who gave us breath, who gives us life, who's holding up the stars, the moon, and the sky with his pinky finger. This is our God. Started it all. Sustains it all. When's the last time you had awe and wonder for the God of all creation? And then invested that awe and wonder glorifying him. Because I just got to tell you, when it stopped being about me and what I was getting and what I was getting from giving, and it started being more about the glory of God, oh, there was a fullness of joy. The old writers said it this way, the purpose of man, the end of man is to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. See, in this glorifying, not only does he get all the glory, he get all the praise, but there is a joy unspeakable that awaits you when you live your life to the glory of God. But it gets better. Not only did he start it, not only did he sustain it, he knew we would live a life that wouldn't please him. He knew we would live a life that would fall short of his perfect standard. Some of you here today, some of you have been maybe even avoiding church because you don't feel worthy. And let me just tell you, you're surrounded by a bunch of people, myself included, that are not worthy. Someone say amen. We are not worthy. But God didn't only start the universe. He's not only sustaining the universe. He gave us Jesus to save us. God gave us Jesus to save us. So in our wretchedness and in our sinfulness, we could have a relationship with God through faith in his son, Jesus. God doesn't just give you a purpose. He gives you the means by which you can live out the purpose of glorifying God. And that means it's Jesus Christ. One of John's closest, uh, Jesus' closest disciples, John, he writes one of the most famous passages in all the book of the Bible, all of the Bible. John 3.16, I like the amplified version here. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he gave, he even gave his one and only begotten son that so whoever believes in him and trusts in him as savior shall not perish but have eternal life whether you've been a Christian for many years or whether you're here exploring God this weekend with us, I just want to let you know you are dearly loved by God, prized by God, 
Maybe you've ignored him. Maybe you thought he wasn't real. Maybe you thought Christians are corny. We are. Come on, somebody. But God loves you. If I grew up like you grew up and I had the experiences with church and God, I very likely would have God at an arm's distance just like you. But you just need to know he loves you. He loves you. More than you living out your purpose for your life, he wants you to know him. And he gave you a way to do that through the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus gave his life through his death, burial, and resurrection for us. And if we place faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven for all the ways in which we've fallen short. We can have perfect relationship with God, but it gets better. God doesn't just love us and send us Jesus so that we can be forgiven. He loves us so much that he gave us Jesus not only to die the death that we deserve, but also to live the perfect life that we could never live. Jesus glorified God perfectly while he was on this earth. John, again, he says it this way, recounting a prayer of Jesus right before he went to the cross. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the Son has come. The hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Jesus glorified God perfectly with his life at every point. And we, we place our faith in Jesus. We don't only get forgiveness. We get Jesus' perfect record. His record of glorifying God by going to the cross. That credit goes to us. This is our God. This is Jesus. And so can you imagine your life glorifying God out of the overflow of knowing that Jesus glorified God on your behalf and that's been credited to you. That your relationship to God isn't based on whether you glorify him and fulfill your purpose. Your relationship with God is based on Jesus' perfect ways of glorifying God. Jesus lived the life. Some of you, yeah, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. Some of you need to enter into the joy of getting the credit for Jesus' life and living in the fullness of God's life through Jesus credited to us. And if you're here today and you want to experience the fullness of life, the purpose for which you're created, it's when you glorify God. It's when you glorify God. Your heavenly Father is drawing you in. There's nothing better than making much of the God of all creation. Enter into my joy, glorifying me. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we don't have to walk this life wondering what our purpose is.
Because you made it clear, for from you and through you and to you are all things. So to you be the glory forever. And so God, help us to glorify you with our lives. Forgive us for the ways in which we've been glory hogs. Forgive me, God. I praise you for Jesus who gave himself up for me so that I could be forgiven for being a glory hog. God, even as we engage with for the city and fostering the city, Lord, Lord, help us to do this to glorify you out of the overflow of knowing we've been adopted into your family. This is why we foster. This is why we adopt so we can put on display your love for us. Purify our hearts, God. Purify our motives. For the people who are exploring you this weekend on all of our campuses, God, I pray in a special way you would wrap your loving arms around them. Help them to know your love, feel your love. And I pray that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, open their eyes to the beauty of you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give God praise for his word this morning. Let's give God praise. You're worthy.